Hello everybody. Welcome along to Mentally Sound right here at Gravity Radio Northeast show number 10. Welcome, 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 welcome to the award-winning show. Yes, indeed. We are the award-winning Marsh Award for Mental Health Support Award 2015. We are the kings. Yes, and some insane person has left the door open. And Sharon's very, very kind enough to go and close it. I could have got away with her not doing that. And I could have, and it's reopened itself, Sharon. What the heck's going on here? We're having... <laughs> well, yes. Yes, the guy. <laughs> It's the ghost of Christmas past, yes. And actually, uh, who knows? It could have been Sharon. She, uh, sadly, we got some news that Sharon is dead and is now a ghost. And that was her coming back to... <laughs> yeah, you're a ghost and the first thing you want to do is to uh, haunt us, Sharon. Eh? That's uh, not a bad task. But um, but yes, welcome everyone. If you want to be in touch with us, uh, mentallysoundradio at gmail.com and you can follow us on the tweets or Twitter, which is at underscore mentally sound. But how are you, Mrs. Sharon? I've just mentioned uh, my co-host for today, Mrs. Sharon Race. Hello, sir or madam. Well, madam, I would <laughs> hope, yes. I am alive. Yes. See, hello, everyone. Yes. Seems how, um, She's not just a doorman. Or, or dead, indeed. <laughs> yes. Seems how it's radio. That could yes. have gone quite badly wrong. Is she here? Who knows? That's right. <laughs> well, how are you, Mrs. Sharon? Are you well? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good, good, good. I'm, I'm in a very good mood for some reason, but it is. I've had like half a what, half a bottle of of an unspecified Coke because <laughs> other companies oh, are cola, a bit... You mean, yeah, sure. cola, cola, yeah. Whatever the right uh, phrase is. But yes, yeah, so I'm in a bit of a chirpy, upbeat mood, which is awesome. <laughs> Um, I just had, uh, yeah, I'll not go there. <laughs> yeah, we just had coffee, <laughs> I imagine. Sorry. Yeah, and you got caught in the rain, which was a bit, bit horrible. I did, yes. It's very nice always to be greeted by. Uh, did you get caught in the rain because your hair looks crazy? <laughs> type of thing. Yes. And I and I joked. I don't think she enjoyed the fact I said that she looked rather attractive, and she was just like, "How dare you?" <laughs> oh no, I enjoyed that. It was the uh, putting down the hair was the issue. Ah uh, dear, I, I love having a mess about. It. It's really nice to have you, Sharon. It's, I, I love I, I love the fact that we can banter back and forth. And uh, it's all good. Um, so, but we have a bunch of stuff to, to get into. We I should mention about show. the yes, a very packed show. But I should mention about obviously the award that I just touched on, and the fact that I didn't go, but you did. It's probably a good sort of point. We are going to talk about this more later in the show, hopefully for the mental health news segment. We're going to talk about it in detail, but just briefly because I know you went. Uh, how was it for you? Yeah, fantastic, fantastic day um, attending Peer Fest down in Preston. What wasn't fantastic was getting up at 5.30am in order to get the train. Yeah, but, you did a whole, uh, you did the whole day thing because yeah, we I had did. the option of staying over um, yeah, but you did the... the wisely the whole... to get up at 5.30am. Yeah, but, you did. Yeah. You, you got the graveyard train as they call it. Yeah. Indeed, <laughs> the, the first indeed. train there. But yeah, um, no, it was a fantastic day and um, uh-huh. like we say, we'll, we'll hear more about it and specifically yes. what the award was for but congratulations yeah, to yeah. you. Yeah, congratulations to everyone. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. We should at the top of the show just obviously gave a huge shout out to everyone who's involved in this radio show uh obviously there's people behind the scenes that you know get a lot of of praise off off air but we should mention now you know obviously you know the the victorias and gareths of the world who who do a lot of stuff behind the scenes and uh people like steve uh obviously contributors who come on every so often you know it's a big big team effort so it's a team reward you know and obviously we couldn't have took everyone there i did get the offer to go but i couldn't go but um, you know, it is a it is a thing for everyone. It's I just think that's next weird. year for everyone. Always Indeed, yeah, year. and hopefully, the, as I as I said when Gareth showed me the award before we started, I hope it's the first of many, and I and I, I reckon it will be. Um, I think mentally sound will be around in some format for the foreseeable future. Um, but um, with Sharon being here, uh, one of the things that we promoted in uh, last month's show 
was your uh, event, uh, your stuff and nonsense. What was it? Stuff and nonsense. Have I got that right? You haven't. Um, and yeah, we promoted it last month. It was a it was a Christmas extravaganza. I remember with Jazz Riot. Was it was it Jazz Riot the name of the? Yeah, they were uh, special guests. I, look at Jazz me Riot. with my memory. Um, um, but yes, yeah, so how was it? It was, it was Tuesday, wasn't it? it was- Tuesday just gone. Awesome, yeah. So how was it? Well, who uh, just give a brief synopsis of the evening, how it went, and everything. Yeah, it went very well. Um, we had over eighty people book tickets, which obviously is the capacity is around a hundred comfortable. Brilliant. It was uh, was pretty good going. So um, yeah, and we had participants from the workshops. Should explain stuff and nonsense as a year long project started in September, run by Launchpad, mm-hmm. and um, I'm the facilitator of creative and comedy workshops for mental health survivors supporters carers anyone involved within mental health is welcome to come along have some fun contribute to their well-being and um, basically we then look to write stuff and present it as a showcase very nice but very, yes, very so good. tuesday was the first of that as we said we went for a christmas theme uh, but we had everything going on there we had uh, special guest stars mm-hmm. we had uh, we had music. Your good self. <laughs> um, I was the MC and the host, and we uh, had participants obviously participating and acting and performing, mm-hmm. which was amazing. And also, to finish off, we had a pantomime. Oh, which... oh no, you didn't. <laughs> oh, yes, we did. <laughs> Yeah, I've probably oh, heard dear. enough of I that know, yeah. for the one night of the, uh, <laughs> the actors who do that for two months in a row. But you, so it was, you would regard it all as a, a success in, in general? Absolutely, yeah. And Great. Uh, it does kick off again, Stuff and Nonsense, in mm-hmm. uh, next year, January the 16th. Brilliant. So we've moved it to a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was requested by the participants so that they can have uh, more time to actually write. Yep. And... Also, so they can basically come along rather than being on a weekday evening. So, Saturday, the um, 16th of January, but I'll plug it after we listen to the clips. Very good. Yes. Oh, yeah. We, yeah as, as we should mention, we've got, some, we've got some clips from said event. Now, one of them, uh, it seems, is not uh, from my recollection looking at the system. It seems shorter than it should, but the first one seems okay. So, we've got a couple of clips from the event. You recorded them live, I take it, yeah? I have listened to the first one in particular. Um, so, do you want to give the context for the first clip? Yeah, the first clip is by a participant from the workshop, Anthony. Mm-hmm. And Anthony wrote a monologue about his uh, lived ah, yes. experience of therapy, how mm-hmm. he feels about therapy, and how sort of living through it. And it was about seven, eight minutes in length in total that he read out. Mm-hmm. But we've got this little snippet. Cool. So, this is the first clip from it, said event. Yeah, right. and it's called uh, talk, Just Talk to My Cat. Cool. So we're going to play that, and uh, it's about a minute long, and then we're going to talk about it afterwards. to think about who could talk to you about difficult situations. Sitting in a group, we each filled in a sheet with a list of eight or so situations, seeing which person we would talk to about them. Then went around the circle, one at a time, seeing who and why I would last. My answer to each of the eight questions was, my cat. There were some oh, sounds from around, from two or three people around the table, and I explained why. Like every therapist I've met, my cat is great at sitting, saying nothing. There was an uproar of laughter. I touched the nugget of shared experience, triggering one of those me too moments. Learning point. Although I scoff, there is a place for listening like a cat in therapy. But I do wish those who practice this approach alone felt there was a place for reflecting. Some discussion, 
prompt me with possibilities if I'm stuck. State the bloom and obvious if I'm missing it. But most of all, help me feel as though I'm talking to a person, not a mannequin. Ooh, nice little clip. So that gives you an example. So yeah, so so how give the, the sort of background to that, um, as it were? Yeah, like I say, it uh, was Anthony's uh, own lived experiences of how he found therapy. Um, mm -hmm. That some therapists can be fairly distant, fairly... Uh, yeah, I remember listening to that, yeah, and that was one of the things that resonated with me when he did that. So in terms of like, so I guess what I meant by his background is in, is this someone who had experience of getting up in front of people? And is that something you, you is that something you got out of him, as it were? Um, well, Anthony does get involved with, um, he's a Time to Change champion. Okay, yeah. And um, he does, he has um, done some performing. I, I think he might have already been in, interviewed on here through recordings uh, mm -hmm. in the past. But um, His for, voice does sound familiar, so maybe in a pre-recording. Um, no, it's, um, he's... His background is uh, he's an engineer, so uh, <laughs> so it, so it's fascinating, obviously, to see an engineer so I guess he's get, funny. So, <laughs> get so creatively involved and in, in, in do so amazingly well in in front of Joe Joe Public. Because I should point out, the audience wasn't just uh, mental health peeps; mm. it was actually general public as well. Yeah, it was general admission and yeah. various other things. So, yeah. um, that's really cool. So that that's great that he was able to do that just in front of Joe Public, who were after a decent night show. I should say as well, because uh, before we actually started the show, Steve, who's a contributor to this show, who's a, um, a, is a, uh, he was mentioned he was there, and he was saying how much he enjoyed Jazz Riot. So do you want to give them a quick a quick outline of how good they were? Yeah, Jazz Riot went down fantastically. They um, they uh, for those who don't know, they're uh, a local um, a local. Oh, I can't think of the word. They're a local performance poetry group. They'll probably say no we're not that at all but then um, they describe themselves as a comedy act um as uh because basically they do funny poems one yeah. reads the poems out performs the poems acts them out and the other one jazz riffs while the other performs so, was uh, it was it anything remotely like i remember reading it uh when we plugged it in last week last month's show and i was thinking to myself it, it they, they came across as quite punk rockish is that yeah. <laughs> i know yeah, it's like right, jazz yeah. jazz riot so imagine it had a jazzy element to it but it sounded to me like with the 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 sort of um the way that you described it when you sent us the promo is it, it came across as quite punk rockish like quite rebellious yes that's um, it. that that sums it up yeah all right okay yeah. Uh, it's just I had a friend of mine who had um, uh, uh, his girlfriend did a bunch of like uh, she was called punk rock mom I think or oh, something right. like that and she did a bunch of acoustic stuff and right. it was her being angry in the style of a parent so it would be like something a kid would do that's adorable but annoying to a parent yeah, but she yeah. would make them into really like aggressive punk rock songs and it was very 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 good so a, a, cla a typical like comedy where you get two things that shouldn't go together and yeah. mesh them together okay. and it, it made it very very funny uh yeah she did one particular acoustic song where it was just about like you know a baby getting a spaghetti on the face and she was just like screaming it <laughs> in, a, in a kind of punk rock fashion and it yeah. just really really worked so i wonder if she i don't know if she ever does does more stuff but there you go um so what we're going to do is obviously we've got another clip so we're going to play that very briefly um and uh hopefully it'll work it says eight seconds but we're going to play it and if it does cut out it'll cut out but let's just give it a go what's that Scented bin liner disorder. Yeah. They uh, they just have to put a scented liner on it, and she's anyone's. 
She'll chase them up and down the street. She'll go out with any old rubbish. Like I said, I was in the hospital with her. It's a small world. It is, isn't it? I'm a slob. What? I live with a slob. Street light obsessive behavior. The bigger the post, the more the climb. Well, I'm a member of the PC Brigade. I love I don't know if it was fin is it finished? I'm sorry if uh, we were talking during that. I don't know if that that clip actually worked because I couldn't hear it. But um, it it's because it, I don't have a timer. It said it had eight seconds, and then it yeah. went thirty eight, and we're suddenly going, "Is it finished?" Because yeah, it just suddenly came up. It had no volume. So oh dear. anyway, yeah, so but, apologies for the technical yeah. errors there. But anyway, you if if you didn't hear the full clip, we'll put it on the podcast. So please listen to the podcast. But can yeah. you just explain what that was, if in case we didn't hear it? Yeah, that was a, a comedy sketch uh, that came out of stuff and nonsense and. Um, Basically, it was spoofing all uh, different mental health conditions and how people are stigmatized with mental health conditions. Uh -huh. And so instead of um, being specific naming conditions, we made them up, mm -hmm. and it's a sketch about that. But I will quickly say that Next Stuff and Nonsense Creative Workshops start on Saturday the 16th of January, just to reiterate, at uh, Broadacre House, Market Street in Newcastle. So Saturday the 16th of January, and uh, if you want further details, get in touch with the launch pad on 01912 or email launchpadncl at aol.com. You can also look up laughinglasses.co.uk, which is me. So Yay! You can get in touch with me via laughinglasses.co.uk. Very cool. Um, do you still do your, your Laughing Lasses comedy stuff? Because like, I, I always say, is this kind of what it is now? Because I know you did all the laugh. You know, I, I remember when I first met you, you were doing like laughing lasses. I know you don't do comedy, like per se, per se on your own. But yeah. um, do, um, do you still do anything like a, a gig called laughing lasses, or is this essentially what it's become? It's sort of what it's morphed into. Okay, yeah, um, but obviously keep the domain going. Um, mm -hmm. Because it makes sense too. Yeah, yeah, and it's a nice little—it's a nice little meme, or whatever the right word is. You know, I—I—I—I I, 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 I I remember. I remembered to show how much of a good marketing tool it was when I first met you. After all these years of when we were on the comedy circuit, was I was like, I remember that. Like, so you know, yeah. I remember you passing out the flyers and going encouraging people to go. So That's you know, right. it's not good. It it's work, a good meme. But you know, I encourage people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like being in Edinburgh Fringe all over it again. Is. Like you know, it please is. come to my gig. It's free. I never uh, stood on the street corner. Yeah, though, to be but fair. that's a you know, let's not depress ourselves. It's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but on that note, uh, well, obviously we encourage people to uh, obviously to go to Sharon's uh, project uh, for uh, and uh, well done on the event as well. Thank you very um, much. I I've heard from the people that went through Steve and various others that it was really good. So so congrats, and I obviously continued success. But Sharon's going to be around for the whole event. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a bit of a song break right now, a bit bit different to what we usually do. But we're going to play Elton John. Are you ready for love? For some reason, that was in my head on the way on the way to the radio. So I'm going to play that. And then when we come back, we're going to speak to Zoe Murta, who told me actually pretty sure that that's not how you say it. But I enjoy saying it that way because it reminds me of Lethal Weapon. But we'll get to that when we come back. So Zoe Murta's live interview. Uh, she is from Northern Stage Production of Sacra Blur, which is also saying that wrong. But she'll, I'm sure she'll correct me. Uh, so we'll be back in a few minutes after Elton John. 
That was Elton John with Are You Ready For Love? Hope you're enjoying. Welcome to Mentally Sound right here at Gravity Radio Northeast. Obviously show number 10. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year in the future, obviously, because it's very close to Christmas. But more importantly, it's very close to Star Wars. Being a huge geek that I am, I'm very excited. Uh, but that's probably 90% of the audience don't care, but there you go. Um, I know, yeah, that's another show entirely. But we did mention Star Wars last, last month's show, so it is kind of becoming a running theme. Uh, and you're going to be sick of it by about two weeks' time, but that's another matter. As I mentioned, uh, we have a special live guest, which is one of the, the perks of doing the show, is we get some really, really awesome guests. Uh, so please welcome to the show, Mrs. Zoe Murta. She's print- she got my surname. She made me correct her surname. Uh, welcome, Zoe, to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. Uh, thank you so much for braving the bad weather and various other things. Uh, uh, so, as we've got lots to talk about, uh, I just, as I mentioned before we started, that you uh, that you um, are a performance artist. Is that the right description? I know some people like really don't like being pigeonholed, but is that a fair description for you? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's it's quite tricky trying to define uh, what it is that I do because I think I'm still trying to work out what it is that I do. <laughs> Join the club. Um, yeah. <laughs> So I think I'm still trying to find, uh, I don't know, a job description that fits me properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but performance artist kind of covers all bases. Bases? All bases? <laughs> At the moment. Bases, bases, So that's what I'm kind of going with and uh, just sort of tailoring that depending on who I'm talking to. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So in regards to, I mentioned that you're doing a Northern Stage production of Sacre Bleu, which is not, how do you, am I saying that right? I just want it to be French. Yeah, we we um, we say sacre bleu using sacre bleu. the colour blue um, okay, yeah. as a bit of a pun. Okay. Um, I guess it's uh, clearer when you look at the poster for the show because mm-hmm. uh, we've kind of got the title treatment that shows it really clearly. Ah, oh, right, okay. Um, yeah, so we go for sacre bleu, but then, you know, you can play about with the French, that's quite fun. <laughs> C'est difficile. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, for obviously with this being an audio version, we can't, like, show the audience a poster, so do you want to give a brief description for those that don't know what it's about? Yeah, so sacre bleu is a solo performance piece um, that I've written and performing. Um, I made it with my co-divisor and my best friend, um, Tori Copeland mm-hmm. and together we make performance work for, for theatre spaces mainly but also sort of festival spaces um, we make work that is about pop culture identity um, politics uh, they're normally very funny they have really good music in my opinion um, and this one was um, about me and my experiences of anxiety um, I kind of had the idea to make this show um, maybe September last year Mm -hmm. and Tori came on board and we, yeah, we made it. We made it a thing. That sounds that sounds great. And one of the things I, I was like, obviously, I was like listening intently. But one of the things I heard about the studio is there's two monitors right in front of the people you're talking to. So it's almost like I feel like I'm being incredibly rude because I just want to like lean in, but then I'm away from the microphone, so it's not the most. Uh, it, it, it's like I wanted to like pay. T- I'm like trying to pay attention by listening, but looking like I'm not, which is really annoying. But um, that sounds that sounds really awesome. So. Because one of the things that was in my notes, which I thought was you've touched on, is working with your best friend, which must be fun. So I'm obviously I, I imagine you're going to give her a glowing reference. But what's <laughs> ca- what's that what's that like working with working with your one of your best friends? Oh well, it's brilliant because well we met at university, so we were both in the same year on the same course at university, um, and we started working together in our first year and decided that we got on dead good. 
Um, so just decided to stay together, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've lived together this whole time as well. So we, we're kind of practically joined at the hip, mm -hmm. um, apart from today, because she's down working in London. Um, but yes, so Tori is uh, another performer and we nor we're normally a bit of a double act. Yeah. Um, so we normally uh, sort of compare variety shows together and we make uh, original device performance work together and we do adaptations of uh, classical texts. Um, but this was the first time working as with me as the performer and Tori as more of a backstage role so she took on the role of dramaturg and stage manager as well as inputting with the writing as well um, and we just have a really a really good working relationship mm -hmm. uh, we just we kind of develop little codes in the rehearsal room and we can just <laughs> sort of convey what we're trying to say just by looking at each other so it makes it's a really interesting and just a really fun way of working really <laughs> You just show an example of that on this very show. Uh, but um, Sharon, like, is that something... You're a writer yourself in some ways. I mean, you obviously write a bunch of stuff. So is that... that's You must have sort of similar similar skills to Sui. Yeah, the, the, it's like being in a mirror, isn't it? So, <laughs> yes. I don't mean it like yeah. that. <laughs> no, I was just going to ask, so um, you mentioned about devising Sacre Bleu. Yeah. Sacre Bleu and... Um, Tell us how you go about actually devising a, a specific piece because it's such a, um, I suppose, personal piece and because it's specifically themed. Can you just tell us a little bit about how that devisation goes on? Yeah, so um, no matter what the piece is about, we, we go about making the work in the same way. So we'll spend a few sessions together um, just sort of talking about what the content of the piece might be, so exploring the themes. Um, and sort of having a having a think about what it might feel like, what it might sound like, what sort of music we might use, um, and we we start with an image. So for Sacra Blue, um, the image was um, me in a yellow coat, and this yellow coat became sort of a symbolic thing throughout the piece. And then the second image was um, a way of physically showing the audience uh, symptoms of having a panic attack. So we start with these images um, and then we work around them. So we might collect play text, uh, magazine articles, newspaper articles, pictures, and we'll both pick out things that we find interesting about that material and then devise it into some sort of list or some sort of text form. And then we work a way, about, a way of uh, getting that up on its feet. So we work very cross-disciplinary we work with movement and dance we work with music we work with uh, video and installation art as well so yeah so we we kind of like to think of it as a collage um and just think nice. about ways of sticking all the ideas that we have together we we don't try we don't get too caught up in form or story we try to uh, present it as something very engaging and visual mm -hmm. That sounds fantastic. Like, and one and one of the things, obviously, because we do mentally sound radio shows, so obviously the the theme of of mental health and and something you touched on is you said that it's a personal piece because you said you, you I I heard you touched on it at the beginning where you mentioned that you have anxiety yourself. Yeah. Um. So how do you? This is something we kind of ask a lot of guests as a kind of a framework, and it's always interesting to have people's perspective on this. Is you know from from what you suffer, and you can go into detail as much as you want, but. Just in terms of the overall the the approach people have to mental health and the way it's perceived in society, how do you how do you feel about it from your perspective? Do you feel you're treated 
like appropriately? Do you think that you that, that more needs to be done? Like in a general sense, how do you feel about it? I think a big part of making Sacra Blue for me was exploring how um, dealing with mental health issues or dealing with understanding your own mental health can become a part of your identity, but not mm-hmm. necessarily definitive of your of your uh, identity. Mm-hmm. And I think um, <coughs> as soon as I started telling people, so um, my peers, people at work, um, you know, people that would, would be asking what I was up to, members of a family. As soon as I started to open up about making this show, it was really surprising how many people were really eager to open up and go, oh, that's really odd. Uh, my sister's going through something similar. Or, oh, uh, I know my mum used to suffer from anxiety. And it's almost as if as soon as people are given permission that it's a, a subject that you should feel open to talk about, Definitely. people are incredibly happy to do so. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of this show was going don't anxiety can often be kind of um tossed aside as being something that is um nothing to worry about and i guess in a way it is nothing to worry about but also it's when it starts to um control your life to a certain extent it's easy to suppress that and i think this show was just about going it's okay a lot more people are experiencing these things that you worry about too and actually um you're not alone mm definitely i think that's one of the i think that's one of the key things that comes up in this show in particular um when we talk about it is that a lot of people say it is that kind of balance of that not because i think the, the 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 thing that you were you were pointing out towards was this idea of defining you that it defines your life that it's the only thing because it's one of the things I, I everyone knows this i suffer from bipolar disorder and one of the things i struggle with is that it it can over, very easily could overburden my life and and be yeah. the one thing that affects me the whole time and sometimes sometimes i can't help that help that happen but as you say the, when you're in i guess it's the same as you touched on a panic attack which happens in your in your production and it's like that's that's the same the same remit is that you you have a panic attack and you feel that that's when you're in that moment that it's never going to end and that's the only thing you're going to feel for the rest of your life and with bipolar disorder with having a manic episode that's exactly what it feels like it feels Mm -hmm. like it's never going to end and you don't want to live anymore and all this terrible thing but um but yeah it's it's i think you're right with the define but also having something like your production out there shows that you know again like you said being able to open to be open about it is good yeah. and but I, I also think we wanted to yeah. make a fun show we didn't want it to be in any way um something that would be a stereotypical view of uh, people with mental health problems we didn't want it to be um full of sadness because obviously that is there and it is going to affect you but we wanted it to be something really relatable and really yeah. fun and we wanted it to feel like a party or a gig almost and we just wanted it to be really colorful mm-hmm. and i think pe- people don't think about uh, work being made about mental health as being colorful when actually you can talk about subject matters like this in a really vibrant and engaging way and it doesn't have to be very good point it doesn't have to be um you know, I think you should be able to talk about mental health at a dinner party without mm. worrying about putting a downer on yep. everyone. Very true. So, yeah, also, that was what we wanted. One of the key things, if you ever read any case studies about what helps in mental health, is having a sense of humour. 
Yeah. It's one of the greatest tools to have is to be able to laugh at the things you do. Like that whole thing of a quick story about manic manic depression where there was a the fam- like uh, a famous example of a guy had a manic episode uh but a a, a positive one. Thought like so had a euphoric feeling. Mm. Thought he thought he had a he thought he could play guitar like Jimi Hendrix. So he starts playing the guitar like Jimmy, thinking like Jimi Hendrix, and of course he then has a massive downer straight after. So he has the he crashes straight after it. Suddenly realizes he realizes realistically he can't play the guitar like Jimi Hendrix, yeah. and throws his guitar out the window. Oh, <laughs> and so no. he goes, oh, and then all of a sudden he then levels off, and he's like standing in his bedroom looking out the window, going, "I've just thrown my guitar out the window." <laughs> he's just like, and that's kind of an example of what yeah. that does but having the ability to go obviously he was devastated what he did with the guitar but then after the fact when he tells the story it's like it's a very good example of how ridiculous you know illnesses can do but I, and that's an i could tell you a number of examples how I, I i'm the same i have stuff like that go on sharon you want to say something yeah i was just going to ask um so you what the audience reaction has been so far hmm, good question yeah, it's been really interesting. <laughs> the click, um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just the click of the microphone starting. Oh. <laughs> it sounds like a door. It's yeah, yeah. in. We need Crichton from Red Dwarf, I think. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, go on. Yeah, so we did a first work in progress performance um, at Northern Stage mm-hmm. in March. And that right. was amazing, really, because we didn't know whether we had a thing. So we kind of spent three days intensely working on something to show an audience and uh, we wanted their feedback in order to develop the piece. Yeah. Um, so it was the first time I performed in a long time and we went on stage and people seemed to really love it. And a lot of things went wrong and I forgot my lines <laughs> and my, my best friend Tori heckled me. Um, Sounds like this was, show. Which was great. Sounds like this show. It was just hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and then we ended up getting a, a standing ovation at a work Great. in progress performance. Very good. And it's kind of like, that doesn't happen very much. So that, I, we were quite proud of ourselves for that, I think. Mm-hmm. And then that was when we sort of went, actually, we've, we, we have got a thing here. We've got something that's worth making. Um, Great. So we applied for Northern Stages Title Pending Award and got it. Yeah, that's um, something I was going to bring up at the end. Yeah, that's right. That's great. So how, how did that happen? Did you apply for it all? Yeah, yeah. So we submitted our application form and then we were shortlisted. Um, and that led to quite an intense sort of selection weekend, really. Um, so we were up against some absolutely brilliant artists and companies um, in the selection weekend. And you kind of had to do a little presentation about your work. You had to run a little workshop. You had to... Uh, run a sort of four-hour rehearsal that the judges would come round and ask you questions about what you were doing, and then you had quite an intense, um, quite an intense interview. And the judges were uh, people from Coney, so Tassos from Coney, which is a big theatre company down in London. Um, a, a wonderful artistic director called Amit, who is the artistic director of Gecko Theatre. So some really sort of. Um, influential people in the industry so i think that's fantastic finding out that we'd we'd won this award was definitely um not only just a really good step for us as artists but a really good step in the conversation of mental health really and having having that platform to talk about these sort of things was really beneficial well congrats but you're not the only one that's won an award you know but uh, I just wanted to get that in there, you know. We might as well brag about it. Is it? Uh, yeah, but, um, but no, um, I'd say we've run out of time with you, unfortunately. But I just wanted to quickly ask you before you go. So uh, is there plans to do another production of this? Is there one coming up or is that just the, the March one? 
Yeah, so we have a week in February to uh, get it back on its feet because it's uh, it's having a little bit of a break over Christmas. Okay. So we've got a week in February to uh, get it back up on its feet, go over our um, audience feedback and that sort of thing. Then we'll be doing a performance on the 23rd of March at ARC in Stockton. Um, cool. And we'll be doing two days at Theatre by the Lake in Keswick in April. So that's quite exciting. Um, and we're looking at taking it to the Edinburgh Fringe as well. Awesome. So, uh, you can... Um, Hand out flyers. Yeah, hand out flyers. <laughs> and you can uh, check my Twitter for updates about that. Yes. So my handle is just uh, my name. So it's Zoe and then underscore Murta, which is M-U-R-T-A-G-H. Awesome. And you have a, a blog? Blog yeah, website. and there's a link to my blog um, on my Twitter, but again, that's just zoemurta.blogspot.com. Cool. Has that got? Do you blog? Are you a blogger, or is it? Oh, a very. Uh, I do blog. I wouldn't call myself a blogger. <laughs> it's uh, very far and few in in, in between. Um, but yeah, just basically whatever's on my mind at the time uh, about theatre and health and punk music. Cool. Well, we recommend guys to check it out and obviously follow her on Twitter. Uh, but thank you so much for coming in, Zoe. It's been thank really, you really for fun. Me. It's been um, awesome. Yeah. And uh, obviously, uh, please do go to her productions. And uh, it's been really nice to talk to you. And it's nice to, to hear about the, you know, that, the, you know, I actively encourage any, you know, performance art in particular to, to encourage them to do more mental health related stuff because that really does make a difference. So well done on doing that. And congrats on the award. Uh, and thank you for coming on much appreciated Uh, right um, we've got to move on because we've got to do a pre-recorded piece now with Tony Russell uh, this is Positive Practice and Mental Health Awards which was 2015 it actually happened on Wednesday the 14th of October so Victoria went and interviewed Tony Russell who is the founder of said award and he's also the co-director of Breakthrough which is a service user led consultancy so uh, this is Victoria interviewing Tony Russell and we'll be back right after this you're listening to Mentally Sound right here on Gravity Radio North East this is Victoria at Mentally Sound on Gravity Radio Northeast. I am here today with Tony Russell, who is the chair and founder of the Positive Practice in Mental Health Awards, which are a national event. They took place in October and they were hosted in the Newcastle Hilton. So, um, Tony, I would just like to begin by asking you perhaps introduce yourself uh, a little more and Wow, that's going to take a long time. I'm the secretary and founder of the Positive Practice Collaborative. Part of our work is to put the Mental Health Awards on. Uh, I got involved because around 25 years ago, I found myself in a psychiatric unit and thought at the time that they'd give me some tablets, make me better and everything would be all right. It comes a bit of a shock to find it's not quite as simple as that. And the trick is to find something that helps you cope. My way of coping is I am a campaigner. Now... A long time ago, there was something called the Sir Graham Day Awards that were held in Newcastle. So over the years, there have been mental health awards in various forms. But a few years back, the last government, not the current government, um, decided there was no need for standalone mental health awards, so they stopped them. It took us a number of years to find the funding to bring those awards back. So that's how they came to be. That's how we managed to bring them back. Well, there were a lot... Easier um, in the old days because we had uh, a, a big team of people at the Department of Health helping us and we had a lot of funding to put the awards on. Since we brought them back three years ago, that's a different story because the awards are run on a shoestring. But I just think it's really important, as then, it is still now, really important that we recognise the efforts of people working in the front line. I take the view as a service user 
that I'm going to get better treatment if the person treating me feels recognised uh, and acknowledged for the work that they do. The mental health awards are really just a small part of what we do. And as I say every year, they're not the end of the process. They are the beginning of the process. What we will be launching next summer is a comprehensive guide to mental health services from the moment of engagement till the moment of discharge and all specialist services in between. So all those nominations that we've gathered over the past three years, many of them will feature in this comprehensive guide. And I always say to people, it's nice if you get a a trophy or an award certificate, but it's just the beginning. What we want is to provide people that commission mental health services with a tool that will help them make the right decisions. So if you want to know any aspect of what good looks like, you can pick up this guide and it should help you make the right decisions because as many of us know, for years, in one guise or another, we've had organisations making decisions about mental health when they know nothing about mental health. Um, It's true what they say, behind every man there's a good woman. Um, Nothing would happen if it wasn't for Angie. Let me say that. Years ago when we did the Department Health Awards and NIME Awards and the CSIP Awards, we had a team of people. The team of people now is Angie. So it's incredible, and and I'm immensely proud of her, that we're able to stage these events purely by her efforts. Thank you very much. That's that's lovely. And I ought to say that she was there for me. She's been a... Obviously, she's my wife now, but she was a friend for many years before she became my wife. And when I was first discharged from a psychiatric unit, it was because of her that I'm still here now. That, that really is a very inspiring and lovely story, and especially one of the things that we do want to look at in the future on the show is talking about the impact on relationships and, and marriages of a sort of almost like a, a service user carer partnership and, and mm. how a marriage can survive in that and friendships can survive in that. So thank you for giving us a really positive and hopeful example. What was the decision to host up here based on, and, and how do you see the northeast fitting into the wider picture? Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk. I'm going to get in trouble if this this interview goes any th- further south than here. Um, but despite my southern accent, I haven't lived in the south of England for over 30 years, and I did in fact live in the northeast in Crook. I love London; it's my hometown. But I get fed up with everything always being held in the south so in the three years that these awards have been going every one of them is every ceremony has been in the north so i'm proud to have them up in the northeast and i'm going to get into trouble now um there are fantastic examples of positive practice all over this country but it seems to me there are a lot more examples of positive practice in the north that is, I'm sure, a really welcome thing for our listeners, whether they be service users or frontline service providers or the executives. I think it's really positive to hear someone like you saying something so encouraging about the work. I, I'd like to say that, but before anybody thinks I'm living in La La Land, I do know that the services are not perfect, and I know there are some really poor examples of service too. It's just that I'm a depressive, I need to work positively, so I concentrate my efforts in identifying positive practice. I've always said, and I'm proud to say, um, Angie and I were the first to develop service user-led assessments back at the beginning of the 90s. 
I never knew of anybody that was assessing services from a user perspective before we did it. Okay, but I always say any fool can criticise a service, but if you're going to criticise, come up with some practical solutions to it. Thank you. That, I think that's a really balanced and, and ultimately very positive answer. Obviously, I attended the awards and I did notice that there was a, a very good representation there from uh, staff from the NHS. Would you like in the future, however, to see more voluntary third sector nominees? Thank you for ask, asking me this question because I can give you some hot off the press news. One of the things that the Positive Pr uh, Practice Collaborative has done recently is we've appointed some national leads in seven different areas of, of service delivery. This very day, that's become eight areas of service delivery because we uh, now have a national lead for voluntary sector engagement. And it happens to be Helen Mackay from Mental Health Matters here in the north. In the three years, we had 16 winners from the voluntary sector uh, and about 28 highly commended. These awards are inclusive. They're not exclusive. Anybody's welcome to nominate for these awards. We have no control over who nominates, and I can assure you that every one of those nominations is treated in the same way. We, we try to make sure that our judging panels are multidisciplinary, so we want an MP on every judging panel because we want MPs to understand mental health more than they do. But we also make sure we have service users on every panel. How are the judging panels decided? I bend people's ear and beg them to judge for us. Now let me tell you, we have 110 judges. That's no mean feat. Uh, so we have, on our, amongst those 110 judging, uh, judges, we have service users, frontline nurses, psychiatrists, managers, MPs, voluntary sector. I can't think of a, a, a body of people that we don't have represented within that list of judges. But I, I like to think that if you've won one of our awards, you've been judged by your peers and you've been judged by a multidisciplinary group of people. It's not some fancy group of sir this and sir that or professor this and professor that. So you'd say they're certainly reflective rather than elitist? Oh, absolutely. I, they are not elitist in, in any way whatsoever. And just to our listeners, because we have such a, a lovely variety of listeners, um, if for the 2016 awards people did want to make a nomination, how would they be going about that? Um, visit our website, www.positivepracticemh.com. Fantastic. We welcome your nominations, absolutely. And also, if anybody's interested in judging on the awards, we'd welcome that too. In your opinion, what does it mean to you, the term best practice? Firstly, it's a term that you'll never hear me use. I never, ever, and never will say best practice. I don't even say good practice. I just say positive practice. I don't, I'm not into any kind of elitism, um, and who are we to say if something's best practice? So we don't use that term and never would. We just say something's positive. When we put the comprehensive guide out next year, we're calling it a positive practice guide. There may be better examples of those services that we feature, but we're just saying a multidisciplinary team of people have looked at these projects and they think they're positive. I do find the term best kind of definitive yeah. and absolute. I wouldn't use it. it. Quite excluding, really, because it's implying that one is top and the rest are all wrong, whereas positive is, is looking at uh, things in a far more flexible way. So I did really love it and get quite 
overly excited when I saw that you'd called the awards positive practice rather than best practice. What are your highlights so far? You know what I think my highlights were before before I become labelled as a mental health service user, I used to run my own business. Um, then I was ill for a couple of years and did nothing. So if we talk about achievements, I think what I'm immensely proud of is if I look at the lowest point, having had a couple of spells in the psychiatric unit, I had nothing. I lost everything and ended up on benefits and looking like there was nowhere to go. So from that situation, we've got to where we are now, where we'd like to think that we punch well above our weight and given the organisations that get an awful lot of funding, we punch well above our weight. So I think I'm proud of that achievement. But to get to a point where you've achieved something without having loads of money thrown at you, because the other thing that we've always said is any fool can spend other people's money, um, but those of us that work in the front line of the voluntary sector have to be careful about the way we work. So having come from nothing and no hope, to where we are now, where we like to think we have some influence on, on policy. That, I guess, is what, what I'm most proud of. That is an, an incredible thing to be able to look back on, and, and thank you for, for sharing such a, a personal story. I hope it gives hope to other people when, when they get ill, because I know, believe me, I know what it's like to feel there is no hope. Um, basically, I just want to round up. Um, you have mentioned the website. I've got to tell you my funny story now. I'm a total technophobe, so I work with a pencil and a, and a writing pad and always have done. The one thing that I do is I do tweet. The reason I tweet is when I was writing my first book about MPs, I met a guy called Sadiq Khan, who's actually now standing for Mayor of London, and Sadiq said to me, Tony, you know what, you really need to be on Twitter. And um, I took his advice. I'm now on Twitter, and in fact, I'd go as far as I'm addicted to Twitter. I have to have forced myself off some days. But yes, yeah, so I've embraced social media, and I've realised how valuable and how important it is. So if anybody would like to do me the honour of following me, it's, it's Tony R. 2011. I'd welcome talking to you. Fantastic. That's brilliant. And obviously, we at Mentally Sound are on Twitter as well. And I just want to say... Thank you so much, Tony, for your time. Oh, it's been yeah. much appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you for, for allowing me the, the, the opportunity to talk to you lovely people. Welcome back to you, Manly Sound. Right here at Gravity Radio Northeast, as we said earlier in the show, if you want to contact us, you can do so at, at underscore mentally sound on Twitter and mentally sound radio at gmail.com. If you want to email us any questions or just want to wish us a Merry Christmas or whatever it may be, feel free to get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. But so what you just heard was the positive practice in mental health. Uh, Tony Russell being interviewed by Victoria. Uh, one of the things we uh, want being asked to say is if you want more information about um, uh, Tony's, I would say, uh, company or, or, or awards or whatever the right whatever the right phrase is, um, you can go to his website, which is positivepracticemh.com, uh, where you find more information about. Actually, uh, well, I actually went on that to find more information last night, and it has a list of all the awards. So not just oh, what we're not just what we're going to be. Uh, touching on a Sunderland community team who got um, uh, who got an award at the ceremony, but also there's a bunch of, of other ones uh, for the ones that won in October. So if you want to have a look, please, I urge you to do so. Uh, but I thought me and Sharon, because we've got five minutes here before we play what I just touched on, the, the interview with Sunderland community team, is to talk about awards. We were just talking about this off-air, and I thought it's an interesting debate. Uh, and we were talking, me and Sharon were talking, like, this idea of awards... 
is quite an interesting thing because, you know, obviously, you know, awards are great, and we got an award for the radio show, which, uh, as I'm sure, as I said, we're going to touch on more in in a, in a twenty minutes of show for the for the um for the mental health news, but. You know, it's almost like getting an award for, you know, and I'm sure Sharon is going gonna, is gonna to debate this with me. But one of the things I find interesting about awards is a bit like we don't do this for the award. You know, it's like it's a bonus, yeah. but it's not like, you know, I guess an actor who ends up getting an Oscar probably wants to get an Oscar for the fame, but don't they don't <laughs> do it. They don't do it for the Oscar. You know what I'm saying? Like they do the film and then it's kind of a bonus that they get that for. Yeah. You know, it shows that they've done a good job, which is obviously, you know, I'm not dissing us getting an award because that's amazing. But part of me feels, you know, like a lot of awards and that this example for, for positive practice, I'm not saying it's a very great thing, obviously, and it's promoting people who do good stuff, but sort of pigeonholing someone that does a better job when I feel they all do a great job yeah, in when, the sense of they're doing something worthwhile. When I everyone guess. should get recognition yes. is, is what you're saying. Yeah, so what, I, 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 I felt during the during the break I wasn't explaining it very well. But, Jaren, do you want to expand on that? Like, what do you think in terms of that? Do you think I got, an, I got a, a point, I suppose, um, in terms well, of well, awards has, in, the sen- yeah. in that sense? Everyone has a point, don't they? It's, yeah. Uh, it's all relevant. Um, what do you sort of feel? Suppose, do, you, do you do you feel like? I mean, everybody should get recognition as yeah, as, totally. As we say, and, um, you made a really good point as well because obviously they they um, are giving an awards the, to a group, well, the way which is the interesting. The awards run usually yeah. is that you have to match certain criteria, don't yes, you? Indeed. So unless you take every box, yeah. That's then, a good point. Don't just yeah. give it to anyone. So it's, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not coming across. I'm not coming across importantly. I'm just saying. I'll well, take all the you awards. I will. Yeah, I know. I might be. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I just mean it's. It, I, I guess you know. Um, it's great to get an award, and obviously, yeah, but it's, I, I just feel the idea of making. I guess the the point I'm making is it makes it a little bit competitive. Yeah. Uh, or it comes across as competitive, or well, I guess. Be, yes, but, but uh, again, it's just, it depends yeah. on your point of view and what mm. the the reason behind nominating yourself for awards, which is normally what tends to happen with yeah. with these sort of awards. Yeah. Is that, uh, Fair point. And then obviously, in no way are we dissing the wonderful work that positive practice and mental health awards do do, or similar awards. Mm-hmm. I guess as well. I mean, I think the the, the biggest thing that they do, and I, what I touched on when I was plugging the website, is they give a list of of maybe groups that you necessarily might not have heard of. Yeah. So that's the recognition, I think, that gives it a good positive spin. So yeah. necessarily maybe the person that wins is not necessarily... Because, I mean, you know, uh, Victoria said to us in the in the sort of green room that's here that, um, that we were a bunch of like 40 or 50 other projects and it got windled down to, to four who ended up getting, yeah, you know, the, uh, accredited the or whatever they're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who got the awards. So that we, we were part of four of the people, uh, like four of the people who got the awards. So, you know, it, it, it does kind of, you know, but I imagine them 40 people just for being in the conversation yeah. would lead to other people knowing about them. So, that's you know, weird. that's a very... Yeah, maybe I haven't, maybe I should look at it that way and not be like, not be as cynical as I'm, I'm well, often accused of being cynical. Well, but. quite often as well, um, it's it's good for the community group or the social group that um, because they are now award nominated mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah. so if everybody who puts in for an award is then can then put on the CV award nominated, whether mm-hmm. you're a winner or not, you're still getting some kind of recognition. Aren't no, you? yeah, the good point. List good point i mean how do you feel uh just quickly about um I, I don't know from your like background i mean you may have touched on this in other shows and i've may have passed my mind but how do you feel about sort of communities and and in and support groups and and all that kind of thing is that something that's helped you in the past 
Uh, I haven't really gotten involved. I have to be fair. Um, mm-hmm. Support groups, I, I haven't gone down that route. Mm-hmm. Um, apart like, what works for you, I guess, is probably the more broader question. Like, you know, in terms of if there's any... If, 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 and I know not necessarily that... I know you haven't necessarily... I think you touched on this, but you not necessarily got a diagnosed mental health thing. But I guess I, I, just for the wider context for people... Because I always think the opposing view is good in that sense. People who don't necessarily suffer with an everyday problem. Uh-huh. Is how do you sort of deal with, you know, hating... hating Like, days where you just go, I, I'm sick of life, I hate this. Like, what do you do as a kind of cheering up mechanism? Um, I usually watch sitcoms that that usually works quite well <laughs> what kind you got any favorites fraser is fraser nice yeah yeah fraser uh that's a very good that's a very good uh i've recently started show. watching doc martin actually which <gasps> is a real good feel factor do you know just very quickly do you know how do you know how that came about yes i do uh really go on go for it go for it let's see <laughs> let's see if you do let's see like where it where it originated from yeah it came from uh a brenda blethin film that was filmed in the same village that they actually uh make do you know who made that do you know who wrote that show wrote that film it was dominic mingella wasn't it who the, no ah well that's who created doc martin anyway uh-huh. but, um, but the gap but the originator of the doc martin character which was based on the film that you mentioned with blenda yeah. was uh mr craig ferguson who is a late-night show television host in America. Right. And he, the, the reason I bring this up is I'm a huge fan of his. Anyone who knows me knows I'm, I'm a massive fan of him. He's not doesn't do his talk show anymore. But he did an interview in America where he says, like, it just goes to show when you can get royalties, you're yeah. in a really good position. Yeah, yeah. It's because he got a check in the mail from ITV Studios going, really? oh, by the way, because um, it was... Uh, Martin Who's Clunes. the guy? Yeah, Martin Clunes. Yeah, Martin Clunes and the guy who makes Doc Martin, like you just t- you Dominic just mentioned. Mingala. Yeah, he they pitched it together for ITV. Yeah, but because it was a character already established in another thing, oh, uh, right. Craig Ferguson gets the role because yeah. he wrote the film. Right. So right. he said that he just did. They didn't even ask him. They just they paid for it. Yeah. Like like it got gained the rights to it and he just randomly like walked up woke up one day and there was just a check on his mailbox and he says Must like it's nice. a very good amount of money of and it's front for and, it, and if you you know as a little uh if you read the credits when you're watching yeah. you'll see his name credited ah, for written right. i think the first season or something they give him a writing credit as well fantastic uh, just a little just a little uh, just me yeah. being all geeky with my trivia but yeah, no, it's a very good. I actually yeah. do. So it's recommend obviously that the, the the character of the Doctor with the blood phobia is the uh, what it's it's the basis yes. rather than the, the way he then became grumpy and yeah, yeah, they did the, change the him Martin a little Clunes bit. Yeah, went with it, isn't yeah, it, it wasn't a hundred percent the same yeah, character, it's, but, it's but that, it was based the fact on the him. surgeon. Yeah, has the blood phobia. I love yeah. the fact that Doc Martin hates dogs. Like, <laughs> who 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 does who does? I don't anyone like dogs. anyone who do you don't like dogs? No. But you don't hate them. I don't hate them, but okay. I don't like them. Like, he detests that dog that follows everywhere. I've only seen the odd episode, but one of the things I notice is just how much he hates that little dog, and I'm going, how can you hate dogs? How can you, like, hate a little dog? I can get, like, being in, a dog being in your life a little bit, but, yeah. Yeah. I, I always think that character... But it's like, he touched on it in an episode in where, where in Graham Norton where he says, like, you know, people go, oh, your character's so grumpy, and he's like, well, if he isn't, we don't have a premise for a show, because the whole reason right. that it's interesting is because he has the strange reaction to yeah. stuff. And it's like, he's not going to be 100% happy, otherwise we use that we will use that lose it, yep. uh, which is interesting but yeah no i agree with you sharon Recommend so yeah so anyway to get back to the original point yeah watching things like that as yeah it, yeah it takes you out of yourself and a bit of an escapism yeah escapism 
No, and I agree. Uh, I think a lot yeah. of series does that. Um, I, I'm like that with a lot of like sci-fi stuff. Like I'm yeah. Star Trek. Well, of course, sci-fi. Yeah, uh, yeah, because it's like fantasy world, so you can pretend that yeah. the world doesn't exist for a bit, which is good. Uh, mm-hmm. Anywho, as I say, we must press on. Uh, as I say, so this we talked about uh, positive practice just there, yes. and Victoria went and interviewed. Uh, the Sunderland, uh, from the Sunderland community team, Eddie Stanforth, who is actually the clinical support assistant at that team. Uh, and they were one of the people that won, uh, or like sort of um, got a, what's the right word? Um, commended, yeah. that's the right word, uh, for one of the, uh, for the awards that we just mentioned. So Victoria went to their community centre and spoke to, uh, spoke to Eddie. So this is said interview with Eddie Stanforth uh, with Victoria and uh, we'll be back with mental health news in the studio right after. So you're listening to Mentally Sound and this is uh, Eddie Stanforth's interview. Hello, I'm Victoria with Mentally Sound. I'm going to be conducting an interview with Eddie Stanforth, Community Services Group. And this is coming from having attended the National Positive Practice in Mental Health Awards. Could you tell us a little bit about the team that so highly commended at the Positive Practice Awards? Quite frankly, it's it's been a recent thing. We we did have a physical sort of health check team, but the way it's now being integrated, that that's sort of been dissolved as it was, and it's been integrated within the community team now. There are a lot more of us within the team. The people are more likely to engage with the physical treatment, um, whereas in the past there was a core of people that did the physical treatment clinics. We are all doing physical treatment now it's more likely to be more of a whole package of care rather than sort of one section doing this and one section doing that and never the 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 sections meet it's a good thing it's a good change to the service so how does it feel to have been present there at the positive practice awards what impact has that recognition had being recognized is a massive part of job satisfaction. Most of my job satisfaction is seeing people getting well. But the other side is you put a lot of hard work in and at times it seems to be hard work that you you're going through the motions. But when you sort of when you're recognised, it makes you feel a little bit better about what you're doing and your job position and, and they also good for recognising what other teams are doing nationally. I was sort of overwhelmed how many teams were there and where the teams had travelled from. It's a good networking opportunity. It's, it's a real good networking opportunity. And seeing what their areas of expertise are and how they actually carry in something out. Because I think as a service, we have to be always changing and, and there's good ideas come from a lot of different people. You can sort of assimilate those ideas as your own and, um, and that's all taken into account within the restructuring uh, of the service over the time. Do you think there is a difference between what service users see as positive practice and mm-hmm. what professionals see as positive practice? I think there would always be a difference in no matter what area you're talking Service users are not privy to the information what's going on in upper management, board level, and they may be able to gain access to that information, but I would say it may not be readily available. So from a service user's perspective, they would be looking into different aspects. They, they would probably be looking at how I felt with this guy that I was getting examined by or, or, or they were taking my bloods, how they were towards me from a real grassroots sort of level. 
from the other perspective, from more MPs and professionals' perspective, you'll be looking at systems and how, how the system works, and rather than that actual how the that thing. And my it is two different ways. I mean, I, um, I used to be a teacher, and I know fine well, if we were to have teaching positive practice awards, you would have what the pupils thought was positive practice yes. and a good teacher, and you would have what the, the trained professionals, the head teachers, the local education authorities mm. thought was best practice. And I do think there is a place for both. Yes, I I totally agree. There is a place for both. Um, We've got to be seen to be quite good with our money, given a good service with that amount of money. We've got massive responsibilities as as a health service, especially in the current climate. We've got to try to keep both sides' perspectives happy and then add them all together and make the service what is going to progress. Basically, um, you can search for uh, the NTW on Twitter, on Facebook, Mm. and they have their own web page, which I assume you can just access uh, if you Google NTW. Yes, certainly. Fantastic. So I'm just going to wrap up there. So I want to thank you, Eddie Stanforth. Your job title, Clinical Support Assistant, has... uh, It has recently changed, but this was with the the change in the the whole system. I mean, we were the community treatment team, and now we... uh, yeah, community services group. But we do we, we do basically the same job with different ideas and within that restructuring we now have peer support workers because peer support workers are people that have been cared for. They know what the system's like from a service user perspective. Well, Mentally Sound itself is a peer-run service in its own right, um, speaking, of course, to our peers as well as professionals and uh, anyone else who will listen. <laughs> I, I think the problem is, in, in a lot of professional areas, you get the professional and the customer. As far as I'm concerned, that doesn't exist for me. It's not a them and us, it's a us and us. We're all together trying to get through. I'll wrap it up there. I want to thank you so much for speaking with me today, Eddie. All the best for the future and hopefully more awards success to follow. Forge on ahead. Thank you so much. I've been Victorian from Mentally Sound. Uh, Hello, guys. Welcome back to Mentally Sound. That was the boss, as Rick wanted to call him. Uh, just let pe- just let you guys know as well, because I forgot to say during the break, is that I'll I'll obviously do what we the the system. Rick is that I'll call out Sharon if she needs to say anything. You can borrow mics because obviously you're sharing. So just okay. let just to let just to let Mr. Rick know. Um, but as I touched on before the show, obviously a huge I should say actually before we start this huge thank you to Eddie Stamford for being on the show for his interview there, and congrats to him and all his uh, team in Sunderland for the award uh, that he got for positive practice. Very much, very much. Uh, it's awesome, it's awesome uh, just like uh, us getting the award, which we're just about to talk to. Segway. Um, but we're here with, obviously, uh, the, the most gorgeous man of the team. I know he, he doesn't mind me saying that. <laughs> uh, we have mental health news. For those that listen to the show, we do a mental health segment where we talk about the latest mental health news. And uh, we've been plugging this throughout the whole show. But we, got, we had an award ceremony yesterday where we picked up our award at PFS in Preston. And uh, Ricky's here to talk more about that, plus other things. Hello, Mr. Ricky. How are you doing, pal? I'm very well. How are you, good sir? I'm not too bad. You were sorely missed in last week's, last month's show. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, appreciate I'll actually that. give you a shout-out, which I hope you heard. I'm not, I'm not like, entirely yet, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to like, listen to it again just for that. Yes, you should. Yeah. Me going, I hope I'll reject okay. everything else. I'm yes, just going to search for exactly, that. Yeah. Yeah. I might just, I'll just, I can just send you a 30-second soundbite. Okay, please do. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm sorry. It's just, I, I'm, I'm, I consider I'm friends with Ricky now, so I'm just messing with him. But anyway, uh, fire away, Ricky. Um, uh, this is this is like I love this segment because I just go, Ricky. It's your. It's open to you. So fire away. Me and Sharon don't know what you're about to say. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, what I'll do is, as regards to our award, I'll save the best to last, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. You yeah, go for mind. it. So I'll just go for get it, yeah. some. Uh, well, today's today's news is very local heavy as it should be. Um, so I'll get some of the important stuff out of the way first, like um, deciding together. It's a—I uh, don't know if you guys have heard, but it's a sort of new public consultation from uh, NHS Newcastle Gateshead Clinical Commission. Okay. And what they did back in November was was to uh, what they want was to gather feedback from the likes of uh, carers and mental health professionals, service providers. Um, so it, it's it's a. It's a consultation between professionals and, and the public in, in one sense. It's a, a forum. Uh, and just as to how to arrange services better for the future. Um, so this will include things like inpatient and community services, uh, what it's like to make it easier for service users, uh, carers, uh, to make sure they get the support they need as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this consultation, as I said, started off last November, and it, it's gone through to uh, the 12th of February. So there's a good couple of months there for people to pitch in what their opinions are. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want any more information on that, uh, just go on www.newcastlegateshead.ccg.nhs.uk for more information. Cool. That sounds like a real positive step. Mm. really does. I mean, what's your sort of take on that from your perspective, like when you read it? Uh, I was encouraged because, I mean, what we as awareness campaigners want is is more talk, more consultation between ourselves, be it service users, ex-service users, uh, with professionals, and it's, it's basically down to engagement, isn't it? Uh, we always mm-hmm. uh, welcome forums, and that's what we want, and we all want to pitch in what, what we think our experiences. and you'd think by gathering that sort of information that, that um, you know, the services would be a lot better. Mm-hmm, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something. This is something that um, you know. It's it's going to come up a little bit later, actually, in this this segment about it's a wonderful life, which is obviously one of the best films of all time. I think we're, mm-hmm. I think it's hard to, to, to dispute that. Um, and in the film section, we're going to talk about this. And one of the things that I found interesting is that the and it's something I brought up, uh, you know, it, it, privately in the meetings for the, for this show. Mm-hmm. Something that I find that resonates with me is that, you know, because uh, one of the things that we encourage people to do here, which I, 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 I is right, we should reiterate, is that obviously this is a show of opinions in the sense of, mm-hmm. of experiences and individual experiences and how we what we think about things. And it's and it's it's a res- very much a responsive show as well as and like especially in this segment. Um, but one of the things I brought up, which I thought was was relevant in the sense of we do obviously actively encourage people to go to their gp and to and and there's going to be people out there who are going to know more than you but in terms of but one of the things and i think you know this particular example that ricky just said it, it resonates with me is that the the other side of the coin is and i have a very great example of this in my in my experiences they're not always right as well like and this is one of the things that um, I also feel with the awareness campaigns that are out there that that's all, that's obviously a focus where I much rather respect mental health professionals and companies and industries who turn around and say, but we're learning as well. Mm-hmm. Some people have the approach, mm-hmm. like some doctors I've been experiencing, I mean, I nearly died with stubbornness of the NHS, is that they gave me a drug and basically then turned around and said that I'm responsible for, for the reason my body's failing me. Now, that's if if you said that outside the box of mm-hmm. the NHS being to, having to admit that they're wrong, and I had to legally fight them, yeah. 
um, then then that's a problem because you know that that can lead to them kind of pretending it's all okay. So I'm not trying to you know because for the most part we can all agree. I don't know what you think, Ray, but can we all agree that we're all trying to do the same thing and trying to be all trying to make course, things better? I, mean, I think we all um, have our own um, good and bad experiences yes. with the NHS. Um, but on balance, we would like to think that there's more good than bad. Yeah, I know in my experience that's the case, and I always want to champion the NHS. But because we have a bad experience and choose to express what happened, it's not like an anti-NHS. No, not at all. Uh, not at all. Know, you know, like tirade, if you like. But I guess I'm just making the point of is that, you know, individual cases should be treated as such. And Absolutely. if the individual Absolutely. person turns around and says this isn't beneficial, yeah. that's not for people to then start blaming said individual, because that's what I usually find that happens is that, you know, if a person isn't getting the right, because it's a very much a trial and error process. Mm. So when you're in that situation and you mm. see a bunch of people, especially people you know who have known you a long time and go, why isn't he getting better mm. automatically? And what worries me is there's, there's mental health professionals that are doing this that start blaming the essentially the victim in this scenario of the person that's going through this hell and is trying. The, the key distinction I find is that you've got to ask the person the question of um, does that person want to be better? Yeah. And if and if and I can guarantee everyone. Obviously, I had moments where that I didn't want that to. I didn't want to get better because I, I felt like there was no end to this. But I would say ninety nine percent of my attitude towards it was I wanted to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you meet someone who's given up from the first hurdle, then you can obviously make that argument. But from my perspective, when that happened to me, I can categorically say to people that um, I didn't want to give up. I, I tried as hard as well, I what, can. But what, I was... what was also pleasing about this, this bit in you yeah. was that in uh, you know, this, this sort of phrase now, it's becoming a bit of a worry, worrying terminology, is postcode lottery. It was something that was used before, like in regards to cancer care, palliative care. Now, now we're hearing it more within sort of mental health fraternity, which is something we don't want to get blown out of, you know, worrying where stats become more and it gets blown out of proportion. You know, we want to simmer that down. So if trusts are taken upon themselves to have an open forum, then mm-hmm. we can prevent that sort of thing from happening. So Very good point. Yeah. Very good point. Um, okay, have you got any other? Have you got any? I mean, Sharon, is there anything Sharon. you want to... You, you're good with that? Okay, cool. Okay. Um, anything you want to add? Uh, yeah, well, before I get into slightly some more local stuff, uh, there's a little fun one here. Um, how many... Mm-hmm. Did, did you watch... Uh, you weren't a fan of Sesame Street when you were a kid, were you? Yes. Sharon was, yeah. Oh, yeah, Sesame Street, definitely. Yeah. Do you know they have a new character who uh, is autistic? Yes, I heard about this, yes, when it was announced. Yeah? Yeah. So, I mean, Sesame Street have always been kind of uh, inclusive in that way and always try to reflect community-wise. Um, but this is part of the uh, what they call the See Amazing and All Children initiative. And this new character is called Julia. Uh, she's a green-eyed, orange-haired Muppet. So, uh, you know... Good luck to Julia. We'll champion her in the and see what kids make of that. But I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I sorry, I was in the middle of getting a note there. But I was like, I absolutely adore Sesame Street. Yeah. So I'm 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 cool with that. Um, it's one of the things that I am. Um, I, I, I are you a fan of Ricky Gervais, Ricky? Uh, I was a big fan of The Office. Okay. Um, not not so much of the other stuff. <laughs> not so much. Yeah. I hate him as an individual. But yeah. uh, <laughs> no, but, uh, animal writer. I appreciate yeah. what he does for that as well. No, no. But, um, uh, it's just that uh, he said that the, the greatest achievement in his career was meeting Elmo, which oh. I, I, I happen to agree. Uh, and I encourage people, if they want a very funny, uh, like, you know, again, me and Sharon were on this in the previous segment about cheering yourself up. Mm-hmm. You go on YouTube and see the outtakes of him meeting Elmo. It's hilarious. It is X-rated, so anyone under 18, I don't recommend to have a look. But 
it's just hilarious because he says some incredibly controversial things and just Elmo's reaction, like the guy obviously is playing Elmo, is like, yeah. uh, going, I can't say this. <laughs> and uh, at one point, Elmo goes, because uh, uh, Ricky goes, these are the things we can't touch on on the show. And Elmo goes, why? Because this is, is this is all your stuff in your stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. exactly why we can't say it. And Ricky's like, good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, anywho, but yeah, cool. Okay, so, so a couple of uh, local information, really, so within the festive season. Uh, Crisis, um, their uh, annual sort of festive dinner is on the 25th and 26th of December at the Skylight Centre at City House on City Road. Uh, free to all over, everyone who's over the age of 18. Uh, on similar theme, Mental Health Matters have their third annual Boxing Day lunch. And this is specifically for homeless people, lonely people and those who are vulnerable. Uh, if you know anyone that would benefit from the, this dinner, uh, just contact Tony and Paul on 0191273 They're at the uh, Oasis Cafe, and this is based in Crudders Park in the heart of the West End, not just not far from me. I so. think I've been there. Yeah, I've been to Crudders Park. It's a nice place. Yeah. I can't miss it. I think it's it's got it's surrounded by like, sort of tower blocks and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's quite well hidden. But once you get there, it's yeah, mm-hmm. great. Um, some. Some good-hearted news. Um, again, this is just around the corner from me, West End. Uh, it, it's been dubbed the UK's busiest food bank. Um, I don't know if that's worthy of, you know, it's, it's not particularly too proud to mention. But anyway, uh, they had a, a big burglary recently, um, but the the solidarity of Geordies and people in the West End came together and uh, uh, raised money and bought presences, include people from the Metro Sunnel and Square, uh, Newcastle Roundtable, Newcastle United Foundation, and uh, a sleepout charity as well. So I was particularly pleased with that, as it's uh, you know, as good neighbours are. Um, j- it was actually Christmas presents. Donated. It was Christmas, Christmas presents. presents yeah. Wow, nice. To mm. people, vulnerable families as well. So we all sort of chipped in together, and I think you know, as Geordies are. We're the best, aren't we? Yeah, Sharon. Is that something in for your perspective? Is that something? You, that's something I always feel that I've never done that I really should have done is is you know maybe giving my time this year or something like that. Is any is that anything you've ever done? Um, I have done some bits and bobs yeah in the past. Um, yeah, I really think I should do it. Not <laughs> not a great deal to uh-huh. be fair. Yeah, um, but yeah, I have done charitable events, shall we say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, you just did one technically. I mean, you, you well, you did a, a very good event, obviously on Tuesday. Yeah, the so. stuff and nonsense event yeah. is uh, well more community based. Yeah, but yeah, um, that's yeah. actually a really good point. I mean, we was touching on stuff and what you're saying about bringing people together is not something that you usually do, but actually, you can make an argument that you do do it. It's just not under the remit of mental health in the sense, you know, it's it's done with comedy and laughter. That's right. Because <laughs> humour heals, as we yeah. said many times. <laughs> yeah, who needs morphine? We need laughs. That's what we need. <laughs> um, There's so many ways to, you know, um, bring about cheer to you know this time of year it's not all about you know raising money it's, it's like it could be any medium mm-hmm, uh, definitely i mean we touched on this with zoe earlier with her with her production of um you know the uh the sacra blue. blue yeah i was trying to think i wanted to say it in the french way that's why i was delaying myself i think i wanted to say it in the french way but uh yeah with um with sacra blue is it like you know that touches on anxiety and that's obviously a performance art and i think that's the more poignant way of getting your name across and you know we uh, you know we're going to do the the film study section earlier with uh, later on sorry with um with uh, it's a wonderful life is the is the feature film and that's a great example of where you know that was made what what was it like 40s wasn't it or something in it's a wonderful life it was in black yeah, and white yeah, so yeah, yeah. 
Um, I think in the segment they mentioned when it was, I think it was 41 or something maybe. Um, but, um, a little bit later, I think. It was a bit later. After the war, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. Uh, but it's in black and white, which obviously helps with the with the actual, I know they touch on this in the segment, but it actually helps with the sort of, the 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 depressive nature yeah. of it in the sense, you know, having the a literal impact. Yeah, the ambiance. Such a great word. I like, what a great word, Charlie. I like that word as well. Yes. Oh, thesaurus. Uh, it's like a dictionary corner for countdown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have... Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, any, any more? Uh, well, we need to quickly we'll wrap it up. Uh, well, just quickly save the best to last. We, Yay! We, we won an award. Yay. Yeah, I want to ask both of you this because you were both there. But yeah, Ricky first, obviously, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Preston is uncharted territory for me. and <laughs> My not, sister lives there, so it's not for me. It's not not uh, often you'd hear, yeah, you know, me yeah. say that I had a great day out in Preston. But, but that's <laughs> I because I haven't I been there, you know. No, I can't say that. No disregard to, to the place. <laughs> I can't but, say that either. <laughs> yes, thanks go. to uh, Lancashire Mind. Uh, and it was a, 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 a thing called Peer Fest, mm-hmm. 15, 2015. Um, yesterday wasn't it during yeah, the day a lot of charities there a lot of trusts were there um, it was I mean do you want to say anything Sharon I mean what was your experience yeah it was a fantastic day um, met lots of, loads of amazing people found out about loads of worthwhile causes and groups so that's the main thing is uh, just keeping it, everything moving forward and keeping positive isn't it mm-hmm. we're all very very proud um, it's great to get this recognition and thanks to Victoria to putting a successful pitch in for us um, yeah I and mean, people are coming up to us saying congratulations great medium um, long may it continue uh, just to specify it was a Marsh Award for Mental Health Peer Support 2015 yeah I mentioned recognizing it. excellent peer support Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, but yeah. And to have our um, name up there on in lights as well. Yeah, I know we were touching on it in one of the breaks. Me and Sharon were talking about this idea of awards, and I guess I think the, the I mean, obviously, it's, we're, we're hugely grateful to be one of the, the four that um, were recommended, but, you know, I think is that where Victoria was touching on this in the green room that there's like, you know, 40 or 50 or so people we were up against. And it's just, I guess, being on that list shows that we're doing, you know, to me, yeah. it reminds me that we're doing something worthwhile. That's 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 mm-hmm. what I. I got out of when when Gareth showed us the the plaque, uh, the, the the plaque that we got given, uh, when he, which he brought back. That's what it, it made me go. That's what the work's been worth. Like just as a good reminder that we, you know, we did something good. And the other thing is, people actually had had heard of us before, and he says, "Oh, you me- you're mentally sound." All right, so it was like it's obviously <laughs> a, uh, a name to a face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that Ricky who's on that show. Oh, God, yeah. 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 It's like, quick, come up with a reason to leave. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah you never said it was po- if it was positive either. It was like, oh, it's not mentally sound. Yeah. <laughs> no. no, no, that's that's awesome. Like you know, it's it's always nice to get positive feedback. I get the odd tweet about you know uh, how, how yeah, you know of, of of how good it is and stuff. So so it's fantastic. So you know, yeah, and and I and I've I said this earlier when uh, you know I know you weren't here for the first hour. Um, Ricky, but I was saying on behalf of everyone, you know, everyone who's involved in this, that awards for everyone. So Absolutely. you know, and you're you're team, just as a part of it as hashtag anyone. Team effort, yes. Yeah. Hashtag team effort. Yes. Yeah. Hashtag yeah. Uh, hashtag a team team building. Yeah. Uh, but yes. Uh, but as I say, um, thank you, Ricky. We need to wrap this up because we've got a guest you're waiting welcome. in the wings. So if you want to swap positions, I'm going to just go straight to talking to Mr. Gary. Cheers, um, guys. But yeah, thanks, thanks, Ricky, uh, thank and Merry you. Christmas and Happy New Year, good yeah, sir. Thank you. Um, but yes, so we're going to move swiftly along, and then we're going to play the um, the the film section. But Gary is waiting in the wings. He is taking. It's almost like American Idol or something. He's uh, <laughs> come. Oh no, it's like uh, Price is Right. Come on down. 
but yeah, uh, a quick um, a quick introduction before Gary introduces himself. Uh, we promoted this uh, very good sir uh, last show. We actually did a promotion for it, uh, and I said to him even in the green room before we started, the best idea for a name in history because uh, it was ment <laughs> mental health. Oh, you're uh, too kind. Too uh, kind. Which works in audio, which works in an audio form because it's a. Uh, uh, but because you have to like emphasize the men and the tell. Uh, but the idea is it's uh, mentalhealth.org, uh, which is a, a site where not just for men, we should stress that, um, but mainly it's to do with people talking openly about mental health. Is that a fair description, Gary? I think so, yeah. Uh, the key, as you said in the name, is the men tell. So it's all yes. about getting not just men to talk, but everybody to talk a little more about mental health. So Indeed. Um, so you want to give a, because uh, one of the things that obviously we did a promo on the last show talking about that and uh, encouraging people to go to the site. Um, but I guess the opportunity with you being here is to ask you how that, how the idea of mental health actually originated. Yes, so mental health, um, it probably started in around um, 2011 maybe. All right. Um, and it was originally just a blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I live with um, PTSD. Uh, and depression, and I used it. I love to write, so I used it as very much a therapeutic exercise to kind of make sense of the the nonsense that was going around in my head, um, yeah. and try and make sense of it a little bit by writing on the page. So, and that's all it was. It was just me and my musings, um, and I tried to write it with a little uh, dry sense of humour, dare I say. <laughs> um, so, and I actually it actually came runner up in the This Week in Mentalists um, award for best blog in humour. Very good. So uh, I'm not quite like you. I'm not an award-winning. I'm an almost. Award- <laughs> I'm an almost award-winning. Hey, it's player. not individual. I, it's a team effort. <laughs> Hashtag team effort. Um, um, yeah. So and that's what it was. And I used to write quite regularly. I used to write every day, and then it kind of became every week, and then it kind of became every month. Yes. Uh, and then it kind of stopped dead uh, <laughs> for some while. Which is what but happens, yeah. Like a phoenix rising from the ashes, um, we relaunched the site uh, at the beginning of November. So we're only five, six weeks old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we continue to um, – so there's still a blog of mine on there, uh, but we also now host uh, blogs from other people. Again, not just men. There's blogs on there from uh, from women as well. Um, we've actually had a couple of blogs from people who've been on uh, on this show. Uh, Marty from Gum and My Shoe, he's wrote Ah, one. great. I've already coloured Ricky. He's going to do me one. I, I could, but I was going to say uh, something. I'm going to colour you as well. Yeah, yeah, Steve. I was going to say I, I blog. I'm actually – one of the things – I mean, you know, you go into too much detail, but like, um, with you know, with, especially with the holiday season, like you, your your mental health can get a, a you know can be a, a more of an issue than usual. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, when you when you touched on the idea of not blogging for a bit, I just was like suddenly remembering that's what my, I'm like right now. Because I, I I had a, a schedule when I used to blog every every week and 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 got you know got a lot of you know praise for it, and then. Um, I haven't done it in a while, so that might actively encourage me, I guess, yeah, is the I point mean, I'm making. The last blog I wrote is actually the 12 ways of Christmas. So it, it's Nice. 12, it's 12 ways of getting through the Christmas Very period, good. which is joyous for most of us, but we know it's not everybody's so, uh, cup of tea. This is something I always like asking people, because obviously blogging, you know, if you you know, it's originated in like the early two thousands, where it kind of become a, a thing. Yeah. Um. Uh, what you know, and now it's like an everyday. You know, to some people, it's like an everyday thing. And at least if you said to someone what a blog, people would know what it what it is. Yeah. So I guess my question is, you know, what from your perspective? Because there's a lot of people that do it, but I guess some pe- some people care about it more than others. So how did you get to the point where you got in front of your computer and said, I've got something to say and I want people to to, to, to read it? I used it, as I said, as 
purely just a therapeutic thing. Kind of when I was first um, diagnosed, I, I didn't really understand I had PTSD, but it didn't really mean anything to me. It mm-hmm. was just a, a blur of emotions and yeah. feelings. <laughs> yeah, it was just a couple of letters. Um, and I found the only way really I could help me understand it and my wife was to write it down. Yeah, it seemed a lot easier to write it down to tell her rather than verbally telling her. So I've used that medium. And I've continued to use that medium to try and help myself and consequently now with other people. So Great. And some of the lessons, you know, we talk about blogging and other people submitting their blogs, but they're just stories. You know, we have this men tell their stories section. And some of them are they're inspiring, some of them are heartbreaking, you know, but, and they're just people's experiences of real people telling their story. And they're fantastic because people often say, oh, I don't write, I don't blog, but... You say, well, just write, write something. Don't call it a blog. Call it something else. Yeah, that's a good point because one of the things I think that comes up in blogs is that because it's not necessarily have a, an anonymity because you can say who you are, but I guess the point is is that you don't, and it's but it can it can be a curse as well. But for the most part, I guess because you just sort of like it's sort of I kind of jokingly refer to it as like a message in the bottle and you're putting it out in the ocean and you're hoping someone will, will yeah. find it. But that's kind of what it is in the sense of that you're doing that and you've got no idea who's going to read it or at least pick it up and. Yeah. And that has an, an, a nice amount of power in the sense of it might actively encourage you to do it because you're not, there's no sort of, um, there's no sort of like name name or there's face no to the to person to the, that you're sending it to, yeah, you see what I'm I, saying? I write, um, it sounds a bit counterproductive, but I write in the sense that nobody's going to read it. Yeah. The figures show that people are reading it, but no, I, I yeah, find yeah, yeah. If, I, if I assume that nobody's going to read it, I find that I don't self-censor. I don't think, oh, I'm not going to put that because I might offend somebody or I yeah. might upset somebody. I just write it, and, and I think nobody's probably going to ever read it, so it's fine. Cool. Any any questions you've got, Sharon, before? Because unfortunately uh, we run out of time here. Uh... Yeah, I was just going to ask. Um, so people can basically write about any subject, not not necessarily mental health, just anything that's happening yeah, I mean, in their lived experience absolutely. or in their life at this moment in time. They can be carers. Um, we've had some carers. We've had some women. And you, you can do it anonymously. You can do it uh, as open or as anonymous as you like. Great. So, I, I mean, yeah, I sorry. I was just going to say, how do people get involved with this, Gary? Well, if you go to the website, which, uh, as we've said, is men, M-E-N-T-E-L-L-Health.org, mm-hmm. um, you'll see, if you go to the website, down the side, there's men tell their stories, and there's also a men ask there's all sorts, <coughs> excuse me, um, all the links to our social medias on there as well. So if you need to know... I had a quick look on, at it last night, yeah. Oh, I encourage people to have a look, yeah. So That's mentel.org. Mentalhealth.org. Mentalhealth.org, yeah. So we've got some interviews. We've got Eddie Temple-Morris uh, coming next week, the DJ. We've got a confirmed with Sue Baker, who's the director of Time to Change. So there's, very there's nice. about 300 pages of content on there. So very there's, nice. There's plenty to go at. Very good. That's that's great. Um, and as as you as you touched on, like encouraging not just men but everyone else, to co- everyone yeah, as well. I mean, it's it's we say it's devoted to men and mental health, and they are two separate. It groups. was a bit like we had a young guy on uh, a few shows ago um, who suffered from bulimia, and that was a really good, you know, sort of dispelling a stereotype that yeah. it's just girls and so i guess that's the premise of a uh, mental is that the, yeah, you know i think you know men have this attitude of that you know and i hate this i hate this because i think it's it's rubbish but this idea of that men can't share their feelings or no. cry about something is something that really bothers me because yeah. that if someone said that i can't be that way that's asking me to not be who i am yeah, and we're, very um, much, we're focused on the positive we have as many pages on recovery self-help which we call the man kiss than we do uh, about illnesses so cool right well, unfortunately we've got no much more time but um but thank you so much for coming in thank you very uh, much. i encourage people to go on the website it's really really awesome uh 
and thank you for coming in. And uh, it's f- nice to finally meet you because yeah, we promoted you last month. Uh, and as I much. say, I you, I will I will I will adhere to write a blog and I'll send it your and way. There's, um, there's still a cake in the green room. For yes. Us. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. You said yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> You don't get to eat being a host. Uh, but there you go. Thanks so much, Gary. Right. Uh, and yeah, uh, as we say, we need to move on. Uh, as I touched on, we're playing a clip now of Mental Health in Cinema. This is a pre-recorded segment with Jules returning, our brilliant poet laureate and um, it, it, from the show, who uh, is with Victoria, um, substituting for Wayne, obviously, so uh, shout out to Wayne, uh, discussing the classic Christmas hit, It's a Wonderful Life, and sort of, which obviously has a lot of mental health themes within it, so... Uh, we're going to play that to you now, and then you're listening to Mentally Sound right here on Gravity Radio Northeast. Hello, this is Victoria, Mentally Sound at Gravity Radio Northeast. I want to offer a huge welcome back to our resident poet, Jules, who's here today to speak about Christmas classic It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, it's been a while since we've recorded a film section. Um, huge shout-out and hello to my usual collaborator, Wayne. Jules, do you want to start by telling us a little bit about why It's a Wonderful Life? Because this was an idea that you came up with quite a while back. And how does it link in with our whole mental health theme? Well, I chose it for two reasons, really. Basically, because it's my favourite film of all time. Um, and secondly, because it's got a lot to do with mental health all the way through it. And not only... That, but it shows all the factors that are involved in influencing people's mental health. Well, just before we carry on, I'm just going to give those of you who might not be familiar with this Christmas classic a brief overview. The film is from 1946, directed by Frank Capra. Basically, you have um, small-town America, uh, a guy with huge dreams and aspirations who, through various circumstances throughout his life, uh, makes choices for the benefit of other people that mean that his life becomes entrenched in small-town America. He feels that he's almost unable to escape. He marries, he has children, he takes on his father's business and makes a great deal of personal sacrifice. Unfortunately, some tragedies happen sort of through the second act of the film and he's led to a point in life where it seems that suicide seems the only option. So, Jules, I'll let you start. Well, firstly, I want to say that the film two hours ten minutes long and you don't realize it at all secondly i want to say that i have been ill for uh, six months with the negative aspects of bipolar mood disorder and one of the things you do there try and fill the time up by doing pointless things and i must have watched this film 30 times in the last six months just for something to do Anyway, it's a really classic film, and it's famous. I dare anybody who watches it not to cry at the end. And any film that can make you cry has got to be classic in my mind. The Tears of Joy. I don't think we're spoiling it, are we, if we say that it ends on Tears of Joy? Any film that involves uh, children being reunited with parents, things Mm. like that, because Mm. I've got personal Mm. experience that. And I think that's a reason that this film touches me quite significantly, is because... Because of my borderline personality disorder, I do not live at home with my family Mm -hmm. and with my children. So a lot of this film resonates with me because George Bailey, the main character, is a man who seems to have it all, a nice family, a nice home, uh, a good job. It, It seems like all so many of the things we're told are perfect. 
And I think what really hits me about this film is I had those things. I had a career, I had a nice house and was married with children, and yet still I had a breakdown. And a lot of people will ask me, well, why? Why did that happen to you? How could that possibly happen? You had everything there. You had all the love, all the support. And I can completely uh, connect with the character of George Bailey because partly I felt that I didn't feel that I deserved all those good things. The other people in my life deserved other good things, but not me. And partly I felt trapped by that goodness that I had in my life. Like George Bailey, who dreams of travelling the world, of having a huge career, of being bigger than the small town he was born in. Not ever resenting or feeling stifled, but I suppose in a way, worrying that if I did feel that way and worrying about the guilt it might bring. Does that make sense at all? It's a very good point, but I, I look at it the other way, this film. I look at it, and obviously it's a personal thing, it's that for you. Me, I actually see bipolar in this film. I wouldn't say that James Stewart character is really manic, but all the things that are involved are sort of there. I see the bipolar um, attitudes more, actually, in the, um, the uncle, the one who's forgetful and puts the, the rings of, of a string on his uh, finger to remind him to do things. Uncle Billy. Uncle Billy, now, he, he, he reminds me definitely of, uh, of that. The main thing, really, is, as you said, it highlights, the film itself highlights the things that can make you depressed. We, we had a, a bit of a debate before about a quote that I found. Even the intervention of people is insufficient to save the hero whose despair puts him beyond the help of human agency. It's true that George's friends and beneficiaries come together to make good on the building and loans shortfall. Uh, basically, some money is lost at the place that he works, and that's part of the trigger into serious depression and um, sort of suicidal feelings. But that only addresses his superficial and immediate problem. We know what really saves him and what keeps him alive so the community can band together. Divine intervention. And again, just before I go to Jules, because I know you quite strongly had feelings about that quote, but I'll just explain that basically um, George has lost a sum of money through no fault of his own, despite the love of his family and his community. He's panicked, he's feeling trapped, he's feeling in despair, and he contemplates uh, suicide on the edge of a, a bridge. In this case, within the uh, world of the film, an angel is sent down because of the prayers of his loved ones in order to guide George into seeing what the world would be like without him. The, the implication is that religion plays a part in getting better for mental health, is it? Is that what you're saying to me? Well, I don't... I don't think that. I think it's just a, a feel-good movie about people helping someone who's in distress and to make them realise that they're important. And that's the, that's the main thing there. When you're talking about mental health, is that the way that you establish that you're important in life and people show that you're important in life lifts your mood and makes you feel as if you want to live. And that's what this film does all the way through. And looking... At the film, Clowns, the Angel, I watched it, you know, when I first started watching it again, I was surprised how little of the film he takes. But when you think about the film afterwards, that's all you ever really think about, isn't it? Do you agree? Yes, very He only takes up, like, uh, like ten minutes of the film or something, uh, out of the two hours. And, uh, but he's the most, obviously the most important character in it, uh, apart from George. When you mentioned earlier on, looking back at your first comment, what the film shows is that George... 
and James Stewart is doing loads of good things all the time, putting himself out, sacrificing, and he may feel, like we all do, that I'm doing all this stuff and why am I the one to suffer? That is, well, it's a shame, isn't it, in life? The, the important thing, again, to remember is that when that does happen, often uh, there's nothing that anybody can do about it, is there, until it's too late. I am not religious. I don't believe that, for me, mm. divine intervention would be the solution. Mm. I do agree with the part where, talking about, you know, you can have all the great friends and family in the world and they can address some of your immediate problems. They can help you out with mm. money. They can be there to support you and have a couple with you. But when it comes to long-standing mental illness when it says divine intervention for me it's been certain service intervention and my own personal intervention intervention of certain wonderful special friends but well i would say for me it's important actually and this film is good but it's not necessarily it's not real life is it when we i mean you're fortunate victoria in that you've got a, a backup system or whatever, friends and family. A lot of people haven't. I haven't, really, to be honest. Uh, you know, and what do people who are living on their own, how do they cope? You know, old people and... Do you think that certain people would take comfort in seeing a film like this, that if they are lonely, that yes. there is yes. warmth and, and love yes. out there and that that warmth and love can make a difference? And Well, that is exactly why the film makes you cry, because... You're thinking about this when you're watching it. It could be me, and it's so good uh, a happy endings come. You know, well, it just makes them feel as if they... Actually, it probably makes them feel as if they would be prepared to do, th do that for someone else, if I think about it. If you watch that film, you actually want to help other people, don't you, in a way? The feel-good feeling, it makes you feel kind of human and... I think the overall message of the film, because it is basically, like you said, it's only the last part of the film, but when the angel comes and, and shows uh, George, James Stewart, what the world would be like without him, and the world without him is a dark and bleak and quite depressing place, and all the good that he's ever done is obviously not done. Worst thing anyone ever says to me is, just think what the world would be like without you, how sad we would feel without you, and do you think that that's... The right message or not? Yeah, I do. We both been through uh, thoughts of suicide and severe depression. Certainly, yeah. And um, our mind, we lose total con total control of rationality. So people can tell us things and we don't listen. And in truth, we know in our own minds that it would be a stupid thing to do, don't we? We know at the back of our minds that we are going to leave people worse off through grief, whatever else, you know. But we're that desperate and we feel so low in ourselves that we feel as if we're not not worthy of being alive. And it's sad to say that, isn't it? And that's how strong the mind can be when you're, depending on the um, factors that are involved and also the, the type of mental mental health you, you have. Before we finish, I just one other thing I want to say that is important about this film is it's in black and white. And I think that makes a tremendous difference to the feel and compassion of the film. You know, it makes it feel more homely. I think it adds to the, the mythic and the whimsical and the, the sort of lighter elements of the film, which helps you to then see the darker undertones 
much more mm-hmm. clearly the contrast between mm-hmm. the two the, the sort of the fantasy and the reality and the, the light and the dark I think shows up so beautifully in black and white uh, I think it'd be a great idea to do another one on this, on this subject and if I was going to suggest a film I would obviously say One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest would you agree with that? I think it or... is a film that has been analysed an awful lot, but I do think that the mentally sound way of looking mm-hmm. at things is uh, quirky and unique enough to make our own take on it quite interesting. Of... Great, so if you could email us at mentallysoundradio at gmail.com and I want to offer a huge welcome back to Jules. You've been much, much missed. We hope to hear much, much more of you in the future. I mean, suicide is obviously um, something that is covered quite a bit in the media and in films and television but if you are genuinely experiencing any sorts of thoughts of suicide please get in touch with either your GP um, a mental health practitioner someone anyone that you trust do not suffer alone and keep yourself safe so from uh, Mentally Sound here on Gravity Radio we want to thank everyone for listening bye welcome back everybody Mentally Sound that was Emily Sunday. I'm phasing her out, which I'm not really, because if she was here, <laughs> I wouldn't be phasing Emily Sunday. She's awesome. But uh, yeah, we've only got a few minutes left of uh, show 10. Welcome back to Mentally Sound right here on Gravity Radio Northeast. And we have an extra special guest, a returning uh, poet laureate. I don't know if that's the right uh, right description, but yes, I regard him as that. Uh, the lovely Jules. Welcome, sir. Oh, thanks. To, I'm glad to be back. Um, I'm really... Good? I'm good. How are you? Yeah. Yeah. It's really great to have you back, Jules, seriously. Um, I, and I'm glad I get, got the opportunity to give you a couple of minutes. If, I hope that's enough. But yeah. um, but as I say, um, thank you so much for doing It's a Wonderful Life. I've said this in an email. I don't know whether you saw it, but I thought it was brilliant. I honestly did. I thought I thought you shined in it. I'm going to say that to you on the air. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, one of the things that you said to me, which resonated with me, I just wanted you to give your quick opinion, and then, you got, and then Joel is going to do a poem and end the show. But I just wanted to ask you quickly, because this really made me think afterwards, because I think it was such a great point, and you said it so eloquently, was this thing about, you said one of the things that people, when they suffer a mental health problem, you were talking about your own struggles, but it, I think it resonated with a lot of people, because you said something to me, which I don't think I described well enough, and you did really well, was this idea of, the problem with dealing with someone with a mental health problem is their way of dealing with everyday life and feeling like they matter comes from external people. It comes from the people that care about them. And if and the problem with the whole scenario, which is what you were kind of like paraphrasing, was this idea of that we don't... Because people think we're sort of like... The way I took it was, it's like, because people were almost asking for extra attention and extra support, yeah. they think that's us and not the illness. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I really felt strongly about that because that's something, um, you know... Uh, you're, as a, you're basically treated as a different person when you're ill. Yeah. And, and no, because what resonated with me is you were saying that's a byproduct of the illness, which is yeah, so okay, true, and that's yeah, something yeah, I don't yeah. think people understand like because a, they think it's just you're giving yeah. up and you're trying to come up with an easy way of getting better, but it's actually the symptom. Yeah. Uh, I like, really yeah. loved it. So it was really like good. You, you, we've got a split personality. Two yeah. No, definitely. That's why, like, you know, in particular, I'm sure you'll resonate with this, with us both having bipolar disorder, is that it's, that's why it's almost always intertwined with borderline personality disorder, because it's almost like we're two people. Um, can you be close to the mic, Jules, when you talk, just to let you know? Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, um, 
but yeah, I just thought you did a great job. I think that's the best way of summing up this the, the segment. I really loved it. Um, yeah. It's a great thing. I hope you do more of them. Obviously, I encourage Wayne to come back as well. So maybe I don't. He might do a free well, a three way thing. Hopefully, we're, maybe. We're thinking of doing one flow with the cuckoo's nest. Even Brilliant. Been done before. Yeah, I heard you. I heard you yeah. say that. Yeah, uh, which is cool. Yeah. But I honestly, I thought you did a great job, and it's great to have you back, Jules. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I so I just wanted to. Uh, Jules wanted to to do a poem. Is it one of your own? I know we we got oh, another I, person. Uh, um, well, no, I'm doing that. Uh, the other guys yeah the anonymous one yeah because uh, we got sent an anonymous poem which we're not going to say who's from obviously being that that's the word yeah cool but um so jules is going to say the poem and then we're going to say goodbye so very quickly right um this is called mental spring clean day three of my recovery no longer attracted to a and e i didn't sleep last night because i'm overdosing on life Listening to music, watching Pink on DVD, engrossed by sound, uplifted by high energy. No longer worrying about what happens next. Looking forward to good times, remembering the best. Four months not caring for a soul, alienated from reality, no longer whole. I've lived in squalor without a care, just not normal, just not there. I realise that I'm moving forward. I'm starting to consider jobs that I've ignored. What's going on? I spring clean the lounge. I feel happier. I've come around. Thank wow, you. that's awesome. You've got such a great delivery, Jules. You can clearly tell that you're, uh, you've been, you're a, a professional poet. Um, but yeah, no, that was, that was awesome. What a great way to end. I just remember, I'm just um, sorting out a song. Anyone got any recommendations be- uh, for the last song before last we go? Last Christmas by Wham. <laughs> Let's see if it's on the database. But, uh, uh, no, it's thank you very much, Jules. That was, that was really great. Thank you for that was really great. And thank you for the person the who sent the poem. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, they have got Wham. I would be dis- I would be upset for of Gravity Radio to not have Last Christmas on the <laughs> on that show. We are the world, but Wham will suffice for yeah. now. Cool. Right, uh, that's it. We're show 10 has ended. Uh, thank you, obviously, as well. Uh, I've said this to everyone on the show, but um, Jules, I want to obviously thank you personally for being part of the team. The award is just for your contributions as well as everyone, and I, I was, hope... I was so pleased that everybody... Do you know, we, we started off small, didn't we? Do you remember, Sean? Yeah, yeah. And, and look over at us. nine months, what take I've no- a look at us now. Yeah. <laughs> what, I, what I've noticed over the last <laughs> while I've been away is you've got far more professional. Uh, you know. But no, I agree. And I uh, just wanted to yeah. say, I hope like you. I hope that means you're a part of it. Part of you're back for good. <laughs> Want you well, back? Want you back? Want you back? I'm sorry, I didn't even now mean to do just that. Beat it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, but uh, speaking of, I hope this is the last Christmas we get to do. <laughs> speaking of last Christmas, segue. Uh, but no, seriously, uh, Sharon, it's been a pleasure. I always love when you do the co-hosting, so I hope that this isn't the last. Uh, no, so no, thank, thank you. you no, yeah, and uh, I'm looking forward to our Christmas celebration on Monday, which Sharon is. Uh, hosting yes. uh, which can be fun but uh, obviously uh, do check out Sharon's, Sharon's stuff as she said do you want to mention quickly yeah uh, Stuff and Nonsense returns 16th of January Broadacre House check out laughinglasses.co.uk or Launchpad and uh, Merry Christmas Happy New Year we'll see you next year thank yep. you awesome as we said if you want to uh, talk to us it's mentallysoundradio at gmail.com and you can follow us on twitter which is at underscore mentallysound and if you do I I think the best way of ending this is if you are 
feeling down because it is the winter and it's a you know the the season it can be the season of good joy but it can also be the season of bad joy one of the things that we've been talking about privately is to say if you are feeling bad is to please go and get help you're not alone we all feel bad during this period of time so please do go and get professional help uh, if you're feeling down and and i hope you don't feel alone and, and tell someone yes tell friend, someone yeah or your family but just don't uh lock yourself away mm-hmm. and if yeah. you are someone that's getting told that you know, have a loved one who's feeling that way try and be understanding and help them as best they can but push them in the right direction and get the help they need uh, i think that's the best way we can say it but anyway uh this is uh wham with last christmas uh to end the show and have a merry christmas and a happy new year for everyone here at mentally sound uh, this has been show 10 and thank you and happy merry christmas and a happy new year